Hello and welcome. This is BCFM Radio on 93.2 FM, DAB and online. Welcome to the Police and Crime Commissioner Hustings for Avon and Somerset 2021. Many of you may not know what the role of Police and Crime Commissioner is. So before we introduce our five candidates, here's Ivan Jackson with an explanation. Now, police and crime commissioners were elected for the second time on the 5th of May in 2016 in 40 force areas across England and Wales. Every force area is represented by a PCC except Greater Manchester and London, where PCC responsibilities lie with the mayor. Now, the role of the PCC is to be the voice of the people and hold the police to account. They're responsible for the totality of policing and aim to cut crime and deliver an effective and efficient police service within their respective force areas. PCCs are elected by the public to hold chief constables and the force to account, effectively making the police answerable to the communities they serve. And they ensure community needs are met as effectively as possible, improving local relationships through building confidence and restoring trust. They work in partnership across a range of agencies at local and national level to ensure there's a unified approach to preventing and reducing crime. Now, in the studio with us today, or rather in their respective uh, homes or areas, uh, are the five candidates who are up for the role of Police and Crime Commissioner for Avon and Somerset. And to begin with, it's uh, for the Conservative Party, is Mark Shelford. Now, Mark spent uh, 32 years as an army officer. Mark was also the deputy leader of the Bath and North East Somerset Council and has sat on the Police and Crime Panel. For the Green Party, it's Cleo Lake. Cleo was elected as a councillor for Cotton from 2016 up until this year, serving as Deputy Green Group Leader within that term and also an MEP candidate. She was also the first Green Party Lord Mayor of Bristol uh, from 2018 to 2019. For the Liberal Democrats, it's Heather Shearer. Heather is currently Vice Chair of Somerset's Police and Crime Panel, has been the Mendip District Councillor with special responsibility for community health and safety and a member of the safer somerset partnership for the labor party it's kerry barker kerry is a barrister with 50 years experience in the criminal justice system in particular he's specialized in dealing with abuse cases that includes child abuse abuse of people with learning difficulties and the abuse of the elderly and finally, last but by no means least, it's the independent John Smith. John was the leader of the Avon and Somerset Police and Crime Commissioners team for eight years and up until the beginning of the formal election period was Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for Avon and Somerset. Pat is um, uh, was supposed to be hosting the Hustings, so I, I, I'm actually going to kick off because we've got these uh, te- uh, technical issues uh, that are going on at his end uh, for the moment. And um, I guess what I'd like to do is ask all of you um, um, about a few um, facts and figures about crime statistics. And and I know um, that crime across the whole region is, is uh, when we're looking at statistics, it's, it's a split into various different areas like um, theft and burglary, shoplifting, robbery, assault, that kind of thing. Uh, generally speaking um uh crime appears to uh, to be on the up although it's coming down in various different areas how would you um individually um uh, tackle this and actually go about reducing crime 
what you know what is the answer to this i, I realize it's, it's quite a very broad uh, area but perhaps um we'll just go in reverse order i'm very conscious of trying to give everybody equal time etc and getting people in different orders so i'm going to go reverse order and go back to you again john and just say um you know you know, you, you've been around for eight years um, in the police and uh, 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 crime commissioner's office. Um, how do you see uh, crime reduction uh, going forward from, uh, say, from uh, this May? Thanks, Ivan. I mean, just briefly, if I may, in terms of the immediate history, um, crime has had increased during the period I described in terms of uh, that, particularly when uh, the officer cuts had come in, certainly from 2014 onwards. Um, it did actually decrease uh, overall in 2019, um, and we managed to bring some additional investments in. And actually, overall, it increased quite significantly last year. Um, now, that was um, primarily due to the pandemic and the consequences of that. Um, but, you know, going forward, I, I think it is a challenge because, I mean, I think one would expect as the nighttime economy starts and, and other normal activity starts, um, there is more opportunity for certain types of crime. Um, I think the, the additional officers coming in is a real opportunity. And the way I would seek to reduce crime is actually primarily to target the relatively small number of offenders, certainly in areas like serious acquisitive crime, theft, burglary, shoplifting, uh, and indeed uh, in areas like domestic abuse, the relatively small number of, of people that commit the vast majority of the crime. And we've had successful schemes in the past, Ivan, called integrated offender management, where the police have joined up with probation and local authorities on a sort of carrot and stick approach. So they engage uh, very much with those uh, individuals that, that have committed crime previously. They offer them positive alternatives to crime. Uh, and a number of those would take that and, and move out of crime altogether, which is a great long term solution. If they don't accept those positive alternatives, uh, then they're brought back within the criminal justice system much quicker. So we've had those schemes in the past before the uh, disastrous sort of changes to probation that the government brought in, they work very well. So I'd, I'd seek to reinstate those. Reinstate those. Okay. Um, uh, we'll, we'll just try and keep this um, to 90 seconds each if possible, because we obviously got a lot to get through and there's five of you as well. Um, Ke uh, Kerry, um, going forward, um, your big plan, uh, you've got to make it, you've all got to make a, a, cry, a, a plan. Um, how are you looking at uh, reducing crime overall? The problem's much worse than John suggests. If you look at violence and sexual offences, which are the ones which worry people most, um, they virtually trebled between 2012 and 2019. And yet, from a very high detection rate of around about 50%, that, that detection rate fell to 12%. Now, why did that happen? Well, we lost a lot of senior officers. Um, they scrapped the detective, specialist detective teams and we have a force now, the Police Federation tell me that 70% of the Avon Somerset Police Force have three years or less experience. There are real problems in recruiting detectives. Um, they, they're called investigators now for some reason. Um, and we've got to rebuild all those things. But at the core, what we know is that good policing is based upon intelligence. And that's local intelligence gathered by local police officers who know their parts, know their people. And we've got to get back to that. And we've got to stop the closures of police stations. We've got to rebuild local policing and we've got to rebuild our detective teams. Um, and my plans are based upon those fundamentals. 
Okay, Kerry, thank you for that. I mean, you uh, you uh, you raised a, you raised a point there, saying that people are most worried about sexual offences. That's um, I, I I don't know where that data comes from or where you get that from. Maybe uh, you can clarify that a little bit later on. And by the way, if anybody wants to jump in and um, you know query anything that anybody else is saying, just uh, just w wave your hand at me. Um, I'm just going to get to the end of this little uh, section of questions. Then we're going to go back to Pat. I understand he's uh, he's up and running again. Uh, so over to you, Heather. Um, what are you going to be doing? Uh, going going forward to get crime rates down? I, I mean, I agree entirely with, with a lot of what Kerry has been saying, that the um, the, the government, when they did cut, we, we, we've got a lot of work to undo some of the very swinging cuts over the last 10 years. So even with this extra number of officers coming through, to be fair, they are only going, going back to like 2020 levels, uh, 2010 levels, sorry, of, of officer numbers. But, um, and I also agree to, to, to an extent also with John, you do have to concentrate on those, those big issues around offender management. You have to concentrate on the big um, high level crimes, which are very damaging to people and a small number of offenders cause a disproportionate amount of problems. But a lot of people I listen to are bothered about the high volume crimes too. They're bothered about their streets being safe in terms of um, for cycling or pedestrians or speeding, keeping children safe on their way home from school, whatever it might be like that. Um, they don't see enough enforcement. So those extra officers do need to be around targeting some of the most um, damaging and frustrating crimes for people. If you, you know, if you've been burgled, I've been burgled myself, clearly not in the Avon and Somerset area, I have to say, but I have been the victim of burglary. And it's an appalling feeling to know that someone's been rooting about in your house. Um, and really, you feel very vulnerable if you live on your own as I do. So. Um, we have to keep that balance across lots of different um, focuses. You can't just do one thing. Um, so I would like to do something on uh, smaller crimes and high volume crimes too. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I guess uh, depending on your perspective, if you've been a victim of crime, you're going to want that particular type of crime prioritised, I guess. Uh, let's uh, let's go over to Cleo Lake, uh, the uh, Green Party candidate. Uh, morning, Cleo. Uh, what would you do going forward uh, to reduce crime overall? Well, there is a responsibility in the role to reduce reoffending. I think a joined up and a collaborative approach with criminal justice is important where possible. So that would be within the prison service and probation. It's not um, necessarily a duty, but I think it's really, really important to have that um, relationship because because I do believe in pension as well. I think we also need more visibility for police in problem areas which you know have been identified to us by residents. Last night we were all at a um, bath focused hustings and it was quite staggering to hear for example an area where there have been a number of from police. So I think even on a kind of short-term patrol basis and it's also about sending out the messaging and also what are the priorities. Poverty is going to be worse following this pandemic, during this pandemic. We know there are less jobs and we know there's going to be less funding for police and there's probably going to be more austerity. That is all going to have an effect. So actually what I would do and something we can do is to recruit a deputy. Of course, John was recruit recruited, but only in the final hour, really, to help with COVID, which I think I would see that as a missed opportunity. And I certainly would be recruiting a deputy to um, assist okay, me with okay, more yeah. of the systemic um, can I just okay. wrap up as well by saying budgets on, are important and where do we prioritise? I mean, the helicopter can cost half a million a year and, we'll, and there is suggestions that they need to be replaced. Internet fraud, that's an issue. Do we have capacity and expertise? 20% of um, sexual crimes were not 
investigated and there's been no apology for that. That's not good. We've got have all these debates about SUVs, for example, but actually a lot of sexual violent crimes are committed in nightclubs and also on university campuses. So we need better campaigns and better education and better preventative measures for that. But it needs to be resourced. Okay. For example, resourcing women's commission all right, would be Claire. good. Okay. So if we I'm going to, to, to interrupt you there, Claire. Sorry about that, Claire. I'm, I'm just trying to be very, very fair with people's timing. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, all these things like helicopters, etc., have to be uh, res uh, resourced as well. Um, uh, I'm going to hand back now or to, uh, thank you all of you for giving that broad overview, yeah or not, for giving that broad overview as to how you're going to be tackling crime in the future. I'm going to hand back to Pat now, because uh, I believe he's got his audio gremlin sorted so he can hear what's going on. What about Mark Shelton? You haven't would it, oh, would I beg I your pardon. I beg your Mark, I am so sorry. I do apologize. I do apologize, Mark. Um, I was uh, get, getting other signals at the same time, so my apologies for that. Let's just go to you first of all uh, before we go back to Pat, and um, just going forward, if you could uh, uh, tell us how how you aim to uh, reduce crime. Okay. The the principle behind my philosophy is I want to return to the Peelian Sir Robert Peel principles of policing, which is to prevent crime happening. And that leads to three action points. The first is to reassure the residents that the police are there for them. That's more about visible policing uh, and also making communities more resistant and resilient to crime. Uh, Kerry talked about neighbourhood uh, policing, and that's really important. And I want to recruit a whole series of uh, special uh, officers who will live in the community that they work in and lead those neighbourhood uh, teams. Secondly, I want to refocus the police on fighting crimes that we're really concerned about. Those are anti-drug crimes, those uh, sexual abuse that we've heard about, which, and stalking and harassment last year of, uh, of people went up by 19%. Uh, so John Smith's view is it's all got better last year. That's absolutely not correct. There are lots of statistics about that. But focusing on those crimes that people are concerned about. Women's safety. Uh, making sure that there's a robust plan in place by the uh, commissioner uh, and the chief constable uh, that looks at all of the aspects of the nighttime economy, about education, making sure we go into schools and talk about respect. Uh, uh, so that's the, the key. And the third aspect is to rebuild the morale of the police by making them more efficient and effective reducing their administration so that they can get out on the street more and connect with those communities more. And the pandemic has given us great opportunities to exploit technology. For example, Zoom, or whatever the thing is that we're on now, allows us to connect communities that we haven't been able to do before, particularly in those rural areas. And that uh, the, the add back is the extra police officers that the uh, Prime Minister has given us. I will, uh, like Terry, uh, put into anti-drug uh, detective teams uh, into the mainstream detective teams that look after sexual abuse and then also boost uh, the rural crime uh, teams. So that's my plan. Okay, thank you, Mark. Um, interesting you say extra police officers. Um, technically speaking, we're actually replacing ones that have been lost, haven't we, over the last uh, last 10 years. But, you know, that's 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 a debate, <laughs> another debate in itself. Uh, my apologies uh, uh, for almost leaving you out there, Mark. I, I do apologise for that. I'm now going to hand back to Pat, and uh, he's going to take over for the uh, rest of the uh, hustings. Pat, Well, let, let's hope so. Let's 
let's hope so, Ivan, uh, if technology allows. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to our hustings here for Police and Crime Commissioner. Uh, I'm hoping you can hear me okay. If you can, just give us a thumbs up uh, and that will be great. I can see you all on the screen this morning. Now, today, the 22nd of April is Stephen Lawrence Day, uh, an extremely important day for racial justice. And what I'd like to know from all of our candidates, what does Stephen Lawrence Day mean to you? Um, let's kick off with Mark Shelford uh, from the Conservatives. Uh, thank you. Well, it's a, it's a very important day and it's about communities and, uh, and about mutual respect. And, and I learned by traveling the world and being in those diverse communities to celebrate the difference and to enjoy those differences between us. But it's about mutual respect and talking together. And uh, one of the key things that I want to do is to help the local communities uh, motivate uh, their uh, ability to problem solve together in partnership uh, with the police uh, across all those different things uh, that are causing difficulties. And, and I go back to the point about raising the profile of the neighbourhood teams and making sure that there's a continuity uh, person there so that you build trust with those communities. And it takes time and recognise and you have to step, step together uh, uh, to do that. So overall, um, as a memory, this is uh, of today, this is about getting closer and working with communities to problem solve together. All right, thank you, Mark. Um, I notice, and I can't help but noticing that you didn't mention, I don't think you mentioned people from African Caribbean communities or black people once, um, and you didn't mention disproportionality uh, in terms of what happens to people of Africa, African Caribbean communities within our racial justice system. And I think that's important um cleo lake what does stephen lawrence day mean well, hang to on. You? can i come back can i come back on that because community okay to me, very, very, uh, sorry clear, very quickly mark please it, it's it's important to recognize that i don't want to specify any particular grouping it's all about all of us and we all have to have mutual respect for everyone and that's the point my point is today is stephen lawrence day mark and you know the McPherson report came, institutional racism was something that was that was spoken about, though current reports want to brush that under the carpet. This radio station and, and me as a presenter have been a campaigner for racial justice and justice for many others uh, for many years. But it's important to recognise, let's not sweep race under the carpet. Today is Stephen Lawrence Day. And I proudly say that because it's something that in my eyes, and I would hope in all of your eyes, we need to commemorate and we need to learn from. If we don't and we brush it under the carpet, it will always continue. Cleo, over to you. What does Stephen Lawrence Day mean to you? Stephen Lawrence Day means to me that the Sewell report should be revoked actually today and institutional racism does exist. And this trickles down into disproportionality and injustice in the criminal justice system for people of African heritage and disproportionately on others, including people of Asian heritage. And that is why I've instigated an open letter for all candidates and current elected politicians to sign an open letter to the Prime Minister to revoke the nonsense of the Sewell report. Because whilst there may be 
some recommendations, particularly in police and crime, that are quite good. To deny institutional racism is a massive setback and a massive insult to the legacy of Stephen Lawrence. It's a matter of reparatory justice, and it is about with communities for communities, as communities themselves try to repair from all the harm that has been meted out to them over generations. And it's about how we work with them to empower them to come up with their own plan and for us to support. So to that extent, I think I do agree with some of the principles Mark has outlined. It is about a third way of community policing, if you like, but let's be real. Most of us have heard declarations of a climate emergency, but what about the racism emergency and who's going to declare that? And where's transparency? There may be good things that happened within Avon and Somerset Constabulary, but it seems to be hidden. And I would like to say more about the good work that's been done, because it's not just about serve, protect and respect yourselves. It's about getting that okay. message out to confidence to our communities. Thank you, Cleo, for the time being. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Heather Shearer, um, uh, Liberal Democrat uh, candidate for Police Crime Commissioner. What does Stephen Lawrence Day mean to you? Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and forgive me because some of my uh, the 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 um, the visuals are, are showing responses from previous times. I was not putting my thumb up there to uh, to Stephen Lawrence Day, or or, or or well, to me, Stephen Lawrence Day does point to the failures in policing in general, and it points to the failures also, I think, to society. Uh, there is, you know, you know, that under the under each uniform as a human being, obviously, as as in you know the human beings in the, in the community. But I believe that there is some baked in racism across our society. I don't believe that we're kind of off that hook at all. Um, I don't think it's right. Like I went, when I went through school, I learned more about race issues, let's say, in America than I did in my own country. There's, it, it's, it's an issue, I think. So it is a very important day. Um, and I, from my point of view, what can a PCC do about that? My thoughts are that you're never going to recruit people color, black or Asian, Asian, or any, you know, any other kind of person than you expect. If, if the police force is not a welcoming place in terms of the culture is right. Now, I'm not saying that it's broken any more in Avon Somerset than anywhere else. And I'm not having to go at police officers, but certainly PCCs have to set the tone from the top and ensure that all the senior leadership are really putting actions behind their words around disproportionality and equality and making it a place that people can call out behaviours that are completely inappropriate and stand behind them. Now that sounds very mealy-mouthed but the amount of things that a PCC can do to help a society is quite small but that has to be the first thing you have to do. Okay. Not just about in the training but also in about the way that people are supervised and people work every day they can call out in a safe environment. Thank you Heather, thank you very much indeed and for those watching online apologies if you can as uh, Heather pointed out see pictures lagging uh, and thumbs up to something that we may not have uh, put our thumbs up to well maybe not um, until two minutes ago. If you're listening on FM, uh, welcome. These are the hustings for the Police Crime Commissioner for Avon and Somerset. I'm Pat Hart. Uh, we have Ivan Jackson with us and we have Mark Shelford, Cleo Lake, Heather Shearer, uh, Carrie Barker and John Smith. Now, we're asking the question, what does Stephen Lawrence Day mean to you? Carrie Barker. I met and appeared before Sir William McPherson. Uh, in fact, the very first case I was involved in was the Clifton Rapist, and he was the trial judge. Um, 
he was a very clear thinker, a very bright and able man, and his identification of institutional racism really shocked people because he was absolutely right and people did not recognise it. The problem is it still exists today and it exists extremely so in the West of England. And it's not just the police, my own profession, um, being a barrister, we have the same problems of lack of representation of people from black and ethnic minority communities. Uh, and it takes significant efforts by the leadership of the various different institutions and organisations to change that. Um, and, we, and that's what we have to do. And it's not just enough to recruit, as has been tried recently, more people from those communities into civilian posts or community support officer posts. We actually need more black police officers. Um, and so people in those communities can see that changes are being made. They have mm. role models to respond to. Youngsters can recognise that this is a career for them too. And that's how we get change made, by demonstrating that we are, in fact, changing. So that's what Stephen okay, Lawrence thanks, Day means to me. Thank you very much, Kerry. Uh, John Smith, Stephen Lawrence Day, what does it mean to you? And in particular, the McPherson report that, that Kerry was referring to was a watershed moment for policing in this country. There's no doubt about it. I was actually working in um, London at the time that the McPherson report came out. I'd actually, I was working in a citizens' rights uh, group in Hackney. And I was actually um, dealing with a criminal injuries compensation claim uh, for, a, for a black Caribbean uh, mother whose son had been murdered. Um, and I remember liaising with the police and they were quite supportive. When it came to the actual report the police commissioned, they didn't support the claim because they said that the, the young man had been contributory negligent because he was in the wrong part of town. Uh, we appealed, uh, the McPherson report came out uh, after um, after we lodged the appeal, but before the appeal was heard. And, and I, it, I only mention this, Pat, just to show what an impact that report had, because uh, the response could not have been more different. A very senior uh, police officer turned up, apologised, and, uh, and that criminal injuries compensation uh, went through. Um, obviously, the police in London failed Stephen Lawrence really badly. So uh, I, I remember that. I remember a lot of, of the changes that have come into, into place since then, uh, particularly mm. in Avon Somerset, as you know, since 2016, we brought a lot of changes in. My goodness, there's a lot more to do, Pat, don't, don't get me wrong. But I also do remember Bijan Ebrahimi, uh, Pat, to be honest, um, because Avon and Somerset failed Bijan in, in, in the investigation into his death. Again, we've done a lot of work with Bristol City Council and supported by Sari to improve since then. But um, I also remember Bijan. Thanks very much indeed. You are in tune to BCFM Radio uh, and possibly Bristol Television Online, though I'm not sure if all of our technology is working. Do you know what? We could have used Zoom, it might have been cheaper, but here we are, we can be heard, I'm sure, and uh, I'm hoping that this recording will, will, will go out later as well. It's our PCC Hustings. We've just been talking about Stephen Lawrence Day and uh, our candidates' thoughts on that. Just a quick question that a number of people uh, have texted in this morning. And Mark, if you don't mind, I'll start with you because I'll go into the same order. Um, and apologies, first of all, because uh, I, I counter-argued you, uh, uh, you know, after everybody else, not until everyone else had given their answers. So slightly unfair. But here's a question for you that's come from, in, in different shapes, uh, from our listeners. Have you ever um, used the hashtag Black Lives Matter on any of your social media? No. Uh, no, was the answer. Okay. And the, 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 the secondary question is, 
have you ever used a hashtag? You know, I'm with the NA I'm with the NHS. Uh, I'm with you know, etc., etc. In solidarity of anybody. No. Okay. Um, Cleo, same question for you. Sorry, just unmuting. Yes, I have. Um, whilst, you know, looking at the American movement and some aspects of the UK movement, it's not that all, for example, reparations campaigners subscribe to everything that BLM stands for, but the actual, yeah. you know, some of the um, notions of it, yes, to raise awareness of some of okay. the work I've done or some of the things I've supported, I have used the hashtag, but the one I use okay. mainly today is hashtag Cleo for PCC. Oh, very good. Uh, very good. Sneaky, but very good. Um, Heather, Shearer, have, have you ever used that hashtag or, or any other in support of a particular group? No, but principally because my technological skills are so rubbish. I've, I'm very late to social media, so um, I'm very delicate about what I do and what I, on that because I don't know what I'm doing. But it doesn't mean I don't support people, but I've not used the hashtags. Okay. Kerry Barker, Labour. Yeah, I'm, I have referred to Black Lives Matter and, and commented quite a lot on the protests last summer, both on the police handling of it, uh, the historical situation in Bristol, uh, and um, how, in fact, we've got to change things in Bristol. Okay. And uh, finally, John, on this uh, very short question, John Smith. I've not used the hashtag that, no, uh, I don't think I've ever used the hashtag to support a particular cause. Uh, I, I sometimes use it to sort of highlight an issue. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, now, on to our next question. We've got so many coming in. Um, this is an interesting one, uh, and I'm going to, I'll go in a slightly different order. So, the Police and Crime Commissioner is based... Uh, over at Porter's Head, actually with the police. So when you're being critical of the police, for example, if you were to be critical of the police, if you were to fire a chief constable, how difficult would it be for you to stand up to Avon and Somerset police? Because you're almost, the public see you as being part of them when in actual fact, you're independent and you're representing us and not them. Would that not be a conflict? Um, Heather Shearer, let's go to you first. Thank you, good question. Um, I don't think where you sit uh, geographically makes a difference to your independence. The PCC role is very clearly independent from the police, it, it really is. And, it, and it's been interesting in the, through the campaign, I'll try not to talk for too long, but in the campaign, how many times we get asked questions about what we would do when we have to remember the PCC role is not to actually be the chief constable, it's quite different. And what you have to do really is keep that relationship very clear. On the one hand, being in the same building might mean you get to know people better and so your relationship in terms of understanding might improve, sure. but you cannot, you cannot meld those two things together. And it's always going to be a tension but hopefully a creative one, not, not a, a negative one. But I see, but again, I think another thing I'd like to be doing quite quickly is to improve people's understanding of what the PCC role is. Okay, all right, thanks very much indeed. Um, Kerry, Kerry Barker, same, same question. Yeah, it's a problem, isn't it? Because the, um, the current Police and Crime Commission has been seen as a spokesperson for the police. Uh, and I've had members talking to me where they've made complaints which she has upheld and the police have gone against her decisions and yet nothing's happened and nothing's been done about it and so it's a, it's a real problem and I think we're going to have to mark the separation better than we do at the moment. Okay thank you. John we, we, we've had interviews on the One Love Breakfast in the past uh, and, and this has come up sometimes uh, where I've said 
but shouldn't the PCC not be commenting on behalf of the police? I think we've had this discussion, haven't we? We have. We have had it several times. Um, you, you talked about um, the, the roles and responsibilities, Pat, of, of the uh, PCC, including the, um, the, the, the right to appoint and, and remove the chief constable. It, it probably is worth reflecting um, that back in 2015, um, I, I worked very closely with Sue and we did initiate a process which did lead to the removal of the chief constable at that point. And, and I think over the years of working with senior police officers and, and listening to communities, I've, I've got a lot, of, a lot of experience about what the right relationship is. Uh, it is important to be independent. It is important to keep that distance, of course, but it is important to, to work closely together and be collaborative as well. So I think the key to it, Pat, for me is a mutual understanding and respect for the different roles uh, and, and an absolute determination that for a PCC that where they see something they don't agree with, they will push back, uh, sometimes publicly, if that's necessary, uh, quite often behind the scenes to make make their views known. And, and, and in my view, um, that has happened appropriately throughout the time. OK, thank you. And uh, uh, finally, Mark, Mark Shelford, uh, same question in terms of uh, is there a conflict and would you be able to stand up to, I guess? Because imagine, you know, you're, you're driving in, you're walking in, you're, you're going into work and you may have just criticised the entire um, police service and then you're, you're going to walk through the corridors, go sit at your desk. How could you handle that? Uh, I'm very used to uh, uh, that level of constructive criticism uh, that uh, is absolutely vital to this relationship. It is a partnership and I likened it to uh, the PCC and the Chief Constable are two sides of the same coin. Uh, the Chief Constable is there absolutely to deliver independent operational uh, policing. Uh, and I am there on the other side to scrutinise that function and make sure it is delivered for the people of Avon and Somerset against their priorities and, I, and as the PCC you're also there uh, to lobby uh, both the, the uh, MPs in order to change uh, the law to be more appropriate wherever it might be uh, or indeed to gain uh, funding, work with government to gain funding to make sure that Avon and Somerset get the okay. best that they possibly can. All right. Thank, thank you, Mark. Uh, and uh, Cleo, I didn't forget you. I said finally, Mark. I mean, finally, Cleo. Uh, exactly the same question. Have you heard the question OK? I've heard the question fine. I think it does have a massive effect being in the headquarters of the police because you'll see police day in, day out. So I think it's really important to raise awareness about the scrutiny role of the PCC in terms of holding police to account. So I think it's about being visible and out there in communities. Um, it could be awkward and I've already been told by a senior figure that if I start talking about institutional institutional racism, I'm already going to distance people before I've even started the job. Well, what would you rather I do? Lie? I don't think so. It's all about, for me, supportive scrutiny. And also, I think it's important to reflect that what we had before the PCC was an authority that would um, scrutinise the police. And now it's just one person with a police and crime panel that is advisory, from what I can see, and may advise, but is not binding. I think that's problematic and I think there needs to be far more public scrutiny and holding to account the PCC and the police. So I think empowering IAGs, for example, to go back to what they were designed to do, those are independent advisory groups, back to what they were designed to do off the back again of the McPherson report, I believe, was about public scrutiny in various different areas. Mm. 
Okay, Cleo, thank you very much indeed. Now, one of the big things for people listening, many people will have different priorities. Some people will talk about burglary, others will talk uh, about drug offences, violence and sexual offences have, have, have been touched across as well. There are some startling statistics, and I think many of those statistics can be argued because reporting rates have gone up, therefore potentially detection rates have gone down. But what I'd like to know from all of you, as briefly as you can, I know it's difficult, but we haven't got loads of time. What are or what do you perceive as the public's priorities? Maybe give us three things that you feel that the public would want you to tackle as a police and crime commissioner that maybe isn't happening now. John Smith, I'll go to you first. Thank you, Pat. Well, I would suggest three things are firstly carrying on with some of the work that currently uh, is valued by communities. So I, I think the knife and drug crime work, the proactive team that's working on Operation Remedy in relation to burglary, the road safety work um, and, and antisocial behaviour, I think those are valued. I think they need additional resources. I think there are areas which need a lot more work than that. So I think certainly fraud and cybercrime, as Mark has mentioned, has increased significantly in the last year. I did not mean to suggest it hadn't. Um, similarly, I think uh, areas like business crime, particularly uh, shoplifting and attacks on retail staff, that needs more focus from the police, no doubt. Um, but the, the final area would be protecting the vulnerable. So um, I think uh, violence against women and children is, is a big area, rape and serious sexual offences and, and hate crime. Um, but I, I do think, and it is one of my priorities, as you know, Pat, I think diversity, inclusion uh, and, and making sure that the police deliver fair services to all communities is very important as well. OK, Harry Barker, in terms of priorities, what, what do you perceive as the, the top three priorities? I've talked to meetings in every part of Evans Somerset over the past three months, every constituency, and at every meeting, the safety of women has been raised. Uh, and Ivan challenged me with, about that. Let's put it into context. In 2019, there were 9,000 burglars reported to the Evans Somerset Police. There were 47,000 violent and sexual offences reported. And you've just said, oh, well, it's because reporting has gone up, detection rates have gone down. That's not right. The numbers of cases detected in 2012 of violent sexual offences was over 8,000. In 2019, that number had gone down to 5,000. Now, these are just not good enough. And they are matters which people are worried about, and we've got to change. It's no good carrying on, just being tinkering with improvements here and there. We need radical change about the way we are policed in Avon and Somerset. And we've got to go back to neighbourhood policing. We've got to stop the closure of police stations. And we've got to bring back our specialist detective teams. Thank you. Thank you, Kerry. And I'm not a candidate, so you can't shout me on my record. I was merely quoting figures and making suggestions of maybe because, not, not actually that is because. Um, Heather Shearer, same question, please. Yeah, I, I, I think what I hear again, I, I've been listening to an awful lot of people in the last few, well, the last few months and beyond. And the things I hear the most often are uh, because we live in a fairly safe uh, place down in street in, in Somerset. It's, it's, it is, there are fewer crimes, let's say. But the things I hear from the Somerset side of things and the north of the area are um, the things that, that point to visibility of policing. So uh, the roads policing um, that they, they say doesn't happen. So enforcement around roads policing, enforcement around AS, um, antisocial behaviour and um, you know the, the kind of the entry level, if you like, uh, drug drug use and uh, drug sales, and and that seems to me to be to be around that community area where 
people don't feel there's any response and there isn't any visibility on policing. Absolutely. On okay. uh, you know, I've made a thing about the women's cr uh, crime against women and sexual violence, which I think is massively under supported, very much so. And then business and rural crime, I think I also get quite I get told about that a lot. But those seem to be the three areas that I, I pick up all the time. Thank you very much indeed. Um, before I go over to Cleo and to, to Mark, let's cross over to Ivan. Ivan, uh, just a word on those statistics and indeed if there's been any social media come through as well. Ivan Jackson, please. Yeah, it was just a really, uh, just a, a side comment on, on uh, the use of statistics. So for example, um, you know, we obviously we've seen uh, large rises in the uh, violence and sexual offence statistics uh, going, uh, going for, uh, having come forward over the last few years. Um, but, you know, you have to bear in mind that uh, this can also be to do with the fact that people are more confident about coming forward and reporting uh, those kinds of uh, cases and that they may feel that uh, their voice has a, a higher likelihood of being heard. So, you know, we can use statistics in lots of different ways. So uh, it's, it's just that to bear in mind. Okay. All right. Thanks very much indeed. Um, Cleo Lake, uh, let's go uh, for, for your priorities, please. Quite a few because I have had a lot of um, people emailing me, etc. A priority is institutional reform. Um, both in terms of things like institutional racism, but also the handling of protests, obviously very topical. We have had improvements in terms of institutional journey, but there's more that needs to be done. And of course, more people working in the police and officers are moving in direction and there has been um, some changes, but more needs to Deprioritization of small scale personal drug possession is a common theme, particularly with regards to cannabis. Again, that leads to a lot of disproportionate searches that actually lead to no, you know, to um, not many outcomes. County lines and knife crime, youth prevention and also youth involvement. Um, businesses, theft, people are concerned about that and also theft in rural areas, which again seems to be um, under-resourced in terms of follow-up, violence against women cycling and road safety again um many sure. sites have near they record that they log it no i only wanted three cleo okay oh i'm sorry right. about that um there probably were some other okay. ones though <laughs> no that, that i yeah, mean there, there I, are many and I, an overall point is you know it's it's not about what i think as well it's pretty all the time um it's we have to work with the information that we're getting and at the moment as well I get a lot of people emailing, I'm sure all of us do, with things like sure. um, hunting laws. And whilst some people might not prioritise that, we'll have capacity, I think, showing that we okay. are good and making a bit of an effort here and there will send out the right messaging. It's not that we have to be all out right, every Cleo. weekend, but if we can Thank you. prosecution, that's a good message. Thank you. We, we are short on time. Mark Shelford. Um, in terms of your top three priorities, please, before we move on to another question. Uh, so it's um, anti-drugs that leads to the violence and burglary. It's antisocial behaviour. It's road safety and the silent crimes of domestic abuse and violence and then fraud, particularly cyber fraud. And that's what the public are really concerned about. OK, thanks very much indeed. It's worth looking at drug offences. 2012, 7,000 odd reported. Uh, 2015, 3,000 odd. And if I haven't got my glasses, same for 2019. Positive outcome, 6,000, 2,000 and 1,400. So that would suggest either um, drug issues are, are less important or they're being reported less or 
the police are taking a different approach to them. So I guess in terms of statistics and the way that the police interact, that would be key. There are a couple more questions if we've got time to, to run in. I'm, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to do these both together. Many of you will, all of you will be aware of the case of a grandfather, Ras uh, Judah Adunbi, that was tasered in the face. Uh, and this is a story that didn't just hit the headlines in Bristol, it hit it hit them nationally and internationally in the USA and around the world, and a film is currently being made. Um, in terms of the public and the interaction we've had on the One Love Breakfast and at BCFM, it's led to a massive distrust in the police in the sense that, and the legal system, that nobody was ever held accountable for this. And this was something that was videoed. So I'd like your thoughts on that, and also your thoughts on the policing during the Black Lives Matter march when uh, the statue of the slave trader was removed. Two questions and two fairly quick answers, if we can. Let's go back to John Smith first, please. Thanks, Matt. Well, in terms of uh, Raz Judah and that case, were uh, failings in that case, um, in particular around the identification issues to do with Judah, because um, as you know, that was not the only time that he was mistaken for another person. Um, and that, that is totally unacceptable. Uh, I actually went to um, the, the criminal court case against the officer. I, the the body-worn video was made fully available. Uh, the judge actually referred to it as a bit like a match of the day viewing because you had all the different angles. And, and it was that uh, judge who actually was from an Asian background who, 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 who gave the ruling in that case that it was not a criminal assault. Um, and all I would say is um, there are processes in, involved and, and that case did follow all of them. But there was good learning that came out of it, particularly around identification and the, and the scrutiny of police powers panel uh, reviewed that case specifically and did a report. But, um, you know, I, I, I do completely accept that there were failings and I do accept that it affected people's confidence. Uh, in terms okay. of that, like, right. you know, that, that is a really, uh, you know, important one. Um, for me, it goes one, to one of my major points, really. This role, I think, is best done by an independent panel. Uh, what you don't want is party political interference in, in any of these aspects. As you know, I'm the only independent candidate. The other four have all had their campaigns paid for by their parties. I'm afraid at key moments like the Black Lives Matter march, there is always the, the, the possibility that their parties will want to interfere. Um, sure. What we saw okay. in that case was, 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 I think, the right policing. I'm going to have to move you on really quickly, John. That, uh, well, okay, I would say you. it was unfortunate that we had political interference from the Home Secretary, and indeed Mark uh, went on the radio and was very critical on the Monday morning of, of the local okay. senior police leadership, and I think that was really unfortunate. All right. Uh, Kerry Barker, very, very quickly, Ras Judah at Dunby uh, and the policing, because otherwise no one's going to have their 30 seconds to say vote for me. Uh, Kerry, please. It was a very, very serious case badly handled by the police i thought black lives matters by contrast i thought they handled that protest really well and ask mr smith where his funding comes from because mine comes from just local members of the labor party okay uh mr smith where does your funding come from uh, you can ask him yourself uh, it comes from myself. i have no funders pat it is it, it is my savings uh, that, that i'm running my own okay. campaign so i don't have any funders at all okay completely independent all right thank you thanks for answering that heather share of uh, uh, very quickly please Yes, thank you. A um, couple of things. The um, When the police get something very wrong or something goes very wrong, um, how that is um, reviewed and how public that is and how the um, 
the outcomes have to be really well uh, documented, but and not just another report. I think things have to change as a result. So, that, so that's how people judge the police, I think. Um, I agree that I think the, um, the Black Lives Matter protest was actually done very well, I thought. Um, not that I'm an expert, I have to say, and that shouldn't be my job to be an expert in protest policing, but certainly sure. I thought it was done okay. well. Um, the, and just oh, one I thing think. on the on the party political yeah. thing, very quickly, which is that um, I would have no problem as a can as a PCC either sacking a, a chief constable that wasn't doing the job right, and I'd have no problem actually standing up to a party political um, mandate, let's say, to do something differently. Because if I'm the PCC, I'm the body corporate, and I would do what I was having to do. And certainly okay. not all thank of you. party political, not not all parties have loads Thank of you money, for making that saying. clear. Thank you. All right, thank, thank you. you. Cleo, please, very quickly, and then we go to Mark, and then we'll close off, I think. Cleo. Well, you know that I went on to be the chair for the Justice for Judah campaign, so I think that says a lot. Um, the institution clearly did not see the matter in the first instance the way the community saw it, and it caused a lot of trauma within the community. Um, Independent Office of Police Complaints, many people think it's not fit for purpose, also institutionally racist, perhaps. Cultural competence. There are so many cases like Judas that an innocent person ends up not just being a victim, but could have ended up being charged because he was actually arrested, which is ironic. So I think, you know, again, what happened to the young woman on the bus in December? We still haven't had a transparent answer over that, not the one that I can find anyway. So, yeah, that's what I have to say on that. I think the police got it right at the Black Lives Matter protest and they shouldn't have been position because that you shouldn't have been there but they did get it right they read the room correctly if you like it would have got worse if they would have protected a statue of an enslaver i think the crowd would not have responded well to that okay thank you very much indeed mark shelford uh, uh judah adunby uh and the colston protests please uh, so uh it's quite clear that the police got it wrong and the very the most important thing is that on any operation there is a robust uh, lessons identified and then importantly lesson learned a uh, process where somebody is made responsible to make sure those identified lessons are then learned on the black lives matter uh, protest i'm very clear i did not think it was well handled i didn't think the police exploited the intelligence that they had well and one must never give way to a mob uh, because the next thing that happens is people and individual houses and everything else uh, will be broken into. Uh, so I was very clear that I did not agree with the way they did that. Okay, thank you very much indeed. We are going to close off now. You've given your introductions. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for these PCC hustings. Mark Shelford, Conservatives, Cleo Lake for the Greens, Heather Shearer, the Liberal Democrats, uh, Carrie Barker for the Labour Party and John Smith Independent. Good luck and I hope that everybody exercises their right to vote. Uh, let's keep it a clean and respectful campaign. Thank you and uh, have a great day everyone. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. That was an audio podcast from Bristol Community FM, BCFM Radio. We hope you enjoyed. If you did, please subscribe.